1: alaikum. This is Yasmin
0: Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, we are speaking today about a topic uh, that we receive many questions about. It's um, it's a struggle for many people, and that's the topic of parenting. Uh, and oftentimes, we, uh, you know, subhanallah, as as human beings, we we need to get a Uh, we need to get training and oftentimes uh, a license to do many things. Uh, We need to be trained uh, in order to drive. We need to uh, have a license in order to drive. We, you know, we need a license even uh, just to to go fishing. And yet, um, you know, there's really no training and no license, obviously, associated with becoming a parent, even though this is, of course, one of the most important roles that you know that we play, and that's shaping the life of another human being. Uh, so, this is something that we need to really put a lot of focus on. And and uh, you know, this is a discussion that we need to have uh, about what what are the things that uh, we're doing right, and what are the things that that we should change. So, what I want to do today is take your questions, uh, open it up uh, in the chat box for your questions. Uh, about your struggles uh, perhaps with parenting or or your triumphs you know share your stories uh, your inspirational stories as well about this this challenging and very um, important and and rewarding job uh, of 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 being a parent uh, i'll share with you a hadith which you know i think puts this into perspective the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us that after a human being passes away all of that person's deeds stop. And uh, those deeds end except for three. And those three types of deeds that continue to go on and continue to benefit you even in your grave are of three types. One is Sadaqah Jaria, a charity that continues to benefit people. Uh, For example, you... You gave money, you gave charity to build a school or a masjid or um, a shelter, and it continues to to help people and benefit people even after you die. That is a jariya and the the reward of of that act continues to benefit you even when you're in your grave. The other one is a type of knowledge uh, that you that you share that you give to another person, and that knowledge continues to benefit others even after you pass away so you for example you taught someone and that person taught the next person and that person taught the next and it goes on and you and you shared that knowledge or um, maybe you you know you put something out there in in the form of a book or um, or or a lecture or something that can continue inshallah to benefit people even after you pass away and then third is a righteous child that makes dua for you uh, so you'll see, Subhanallah, that um, at least two out of the three of these ways, in order to continue to 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 be, uh, you know, being raised with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in our good deeds, at least two out of three of those have to do with, uh, you know, your your raising of your children, and can be actually achieved through your children. Obviously, if you raise your children. Uh, you know, to be to teach them at least about righteousness. And of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who guides. We should never think that we are in charge of, of guidance. But we do our part. And then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always to, to, to take care of our children, to protect our children and to guide them. But we do our part to teach them about Islam and to teach them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to teach them about righteousness and morality. And... Um, when they grow up in righteousness and they make du'a for you even after you pass away, that this is something that continues to benefit you, inshallah. And even when you look at the other category of knowledge that you give and it continues to benefit, anything that you teach your children of, of benefit, and then they teach their children, and they teach their children, and it goes on. Again, this is another possible means to uh, acquire those good deeds, even after we've 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 left this world, even after we've passed away and we're in our graves. Uh, so this this role of of parent is extremely noble and is something that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala again and again speaks about very very highly. Um, the 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 topic of parents. In 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 the Quran is, um, you know, Allah subhanahu wa taala when He describes how uh, parents should be treated, and uh, you know just what the mother goes through, um, that you know for the child, hamalatu, uh, you know that Allah says that that the um, the mother she carries the child wahnan ala wahn, you know this this hardship upon hardship or toil upon toil. It's uh, it, Allah is acknowledging and letting the child know even in his divine you know, in, in in the words of the creator what a mother goes through you know for her children and and, and anyone who's a mother can 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 attest to the fact that you know the the carrying of the child in pregnancy and then the the childbirth that is extremely heavy and extremely difficult but it's only the beginning um you know the the really long hard part that requires really the the meaning of sabr uh, perseverance and constancy is what what happens after they're born right now is the raising part and that's the really you know that's that's the long haul you know where you you can't just be you can't just do it for a week or two and you know you know this is this is i'm kind of tired of this it's i'm sick of it or it's really hard you can't do it for just a, a year or two and and just you know resign you just it's a job you can't resign from it's a job you can't even oftentimes take a break from uh you know it's it's just you're you're always on call you know subhanallah and it's um no matter what and and it's something that parents do lovingly and and so this is this is hard work and it you know there's a reason why uh the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells us you know for example um that when he's telling us uh, giving us uh, he's commanding us to not to to not associate any uh, partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for um, when when in the hadith the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam speaks about the the worst uh, you know akbar al-kaba'ir meaning the the, the 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 biggest of the big sins and he says that you know the first one as we know is shirk um, shirk bilah you know this is this is something we're taught since since our children you know that associating any partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the the biggest of the big sins and then directly after that is uquq uh, al walidain disobeying or you know n- not treating your parents well and, and so uh you you see the, the importance of this even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to worship Allah and and then after directly after that he says, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ and, um, and, and إِحْسَانَ And Ihsan here, Allah is telling us to have Ihsan with our parents. And Ihsan is a very interesting concept. Ihsan, um, you know, you one could just just speak entire um, volumes just about this concept of Ihsan. When we go and we look at the meaning of the word Ihsan, uh, we can find this word in this hadith of Jibreel salam where the Prophet Sallallahu is sitting with his companions, and a man walks in, and this man, uh, they have never seen him before. He, you know, so they know he must be traveling. However, he has no sign of travel on him, and he's wearing very, very white clothes, and his hair is very black. And he comes and he sits and he asks the Prophet Sallallahu to teach him about Islam. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam goes ahead and, and says Islam is, and he goes and he says that the five pillars, you know, to, 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 to bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is his messenger. And then Salah and Zakah and Sawm and Hajj. And after he says that, the man says Sadaqt, you've told the truth. So to this, the companion, you know, thought was unusual because it was as if he was testing the Prophet And he's a man. So how is he you know, testing the Prophet Or he appears to be a man. And then he went on to ask what is Iman? And the Prophet said that Iman is to believe in Allah and his books. And, and he goes on to, to list the, the pillars of Iman. And then he asks what is Ihsan? And Ihsan, the Prophet defines as worshipping Allah as if you can see him. And if you are not able, know that he can see you. Knowing that he can see you. So here we have a definition of Ihsan from the Prophet ﷺ. It is when you do things, um, you know, not just the bare minimum. Uh, you know, you're not just nice to the people who who are nice to you. That's not Ihsan. Um, ihsan is when you take, um, suppose there are there are ten ways to do the same thing. Ten different ways uh, to to do the same action, and you 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 find the top five, and you take the number one, and you do that. That's Ihsan. Um There are ten ways to clean your house. Um, there are ten ways to treat your your spouse. There are ten different ways. Suppose you know there are ten different ways to to um, to uh, write an article. There are ten different ways to. Um, you know, pray, uh, you know, that there are, there, there, there are different ways that we can do the same action. Uh, and when you take the best and the most beautiful of those ways, the way you treat people or the way you do things, um, you know, even the way you drive, as a side note, um, I, I'm not from California, I'm from the Midwest, and I absolutely do not um, like the way Californians drive um i just it, it's like there's this um this understood sort of uh idea that when you have your signal on it actually means speed up and instead of letting the person in <laughs> this is this is new for me um usually in the midwest when someone sees your signal they they let you in. That's like courtesy. But here in California, uh, if someone sees your signal, it it's, it's a, it's actually means speed up so that the person can't uh, change lanes. It's really interesting. But again, there's, there's there's different ways of doing things. There's different ways of driving. Um, and you can have Ihsan in your driving. You can have Ihsan in, in, in your treatment of, of, of people and you know everybody and in all your, your dealings. Um, in your business dealings, uh, in in your in your career, in everything, and and here the you know Allah subhanahu wa taala when he commands us of how we should treat our parents, he says, So there there is different ways we can treat our parents, as we know, and um, the, the the commandment here is not just to just be good to them, uh, because being good to them might be number five or number six, you know, it's still okay, but we're supposed to be finding the best and most beautiful way to treat our parents and and use that that's the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh and and so that there is again this this very very high respect as we know the the many traditions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where where he says that heaven is at the feet of your mother and when the man um who wanted to be involved in a military campaign it was it was um he he asked him, "Is are your parents alive?" and and he 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 found out that his mother was alive, and he said, "Go take care of her because heaven is at her feet." And there are different narrations, some some um, that are weak, but 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 this uh, meaning is found in 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 strong traditions. This this meaning is uh, very much established, and that is the the importance of 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 parents. And and you see, you know, once you become a parent why that would be the case it's it in it's an incredible amount of sacrifice and and like we said it's not a job that you can just resign from or take you know take a a long leave of absence from uh, there's it's 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 the long haul it's it really really requires the the definition of sub of perseverance and patience and and sometimes what happens is uh that we you know, we stumble along the way, it's a really, really challenging job. And uh, it is extremely heartbreaking, uh, especially when, you know, parents, they might give so much to their children, you know, they give some some parents, really, they give their lives to their children, and then their children grow up and and don't treat them well, or they grow up and they turn their backs on them. Uh, and, And this is extremely heartbreaking. Uh, so we we you know these are things that we we have to take very seriously how are we raising our children and and as children ourselves how are we treating our parents uh so i i'm going to inshallah start to take uh, some questions uh on this important topic one of the questions uh that i received uh earlier uh it reads uh, alaykum, I'm finding difficulty to focus on listening quran or doing other worship with my small boys disturbing me every five seconds one and a half two and a half and five years old um, may Allah give you uh <laughs> the ability um may Allah make it easy for you uh, this is this is a serious challenge anyone who has young children know this it's very very hard uh just let alone just to to raise these these children young children but also to be able to also uh, you know excel in in one's ibadah, in one's worship and in, and and in continuing to learn and better oneself it is a huge huge challenge and i'm going to talk about it from a uh, a a different perspective than i think we usually discuss it and then i'll also give some some practical uh, advice inshallah First, I think it's very important that we understand what is our ultimate focus. And this is where we we can actually get off track and become very distracted. Um, Our ultimate focus is, although it is extremely noble to be a mother and it's extremely noble to be a father and a spouse, uh, that, that is not our ultimate focus or our ultimate purpose. As a woman... Uh, you may be a mother, you may be a wife, as a as a man, you may be a father, you may be a husband, but your ultimate job, your ultimate, you know, purpose of your creation is not in those roles per se, but in the in the role that's above it, and that's the role of a slave to your creator, as a abd, as a as a, that, you know, Allah says. He has clarified the purpose of our creation as being just to fulfill ibadah, to be abd to Allah subhanahu wa taala, to enslave ourselves to Him, to worship Him, and uh, you know. So, so that the reason I'm saying that is because it's very, very important. Because it it becomes very easy to lose focus and instead to make it so that my ultimate purpose is being a mother, or my ultimate purpose is being a wife, or 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 a father, or a husband or even um, a doctor, or a lawyer, or whatever it is. My ultimate purpose and role is as a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is in that capacity, and it is under that umbrella, that I have my other roles. And that's crucial that I understand it. Because when I lose focus of my ultimate purpose, then I get lost in the means. Uh, We have to be very, very clear about what is my goal, what is my end And what is my means? And when we mix those up, this is when we fail. This is when we fall. This is when we get lost. Uh, You can't end up somewhere that you need to be if you lost track of where that is. And instead you got, you know, so caught up in your vehicle, so caught up in your means, in your path, and you just lost, you lost sight of where you're going. And I think one of the, the hardest challenges as a mother as a father as a parent because now you have this child and you know they take up so much of your of your attention and you're they're so in need and they take up so much of your focus it becomes very very difficult to keep sight of of the ultimate goal and not lose lose yourself in in the in the means in the sense parenthood uh in and I'll give you a practical example of how that happens once you start to pray for example suppose you're You're able to find, you know, that time to pray. And um, once you start to pray, even if it's quiet, as soon as you start to pray, the only thing that's going through your mind is what time you have to go to soccer practice. And then from there, um, you have to get your kids ready for school and what are you going to make for their lunch um, or, you know, what's what's in the oven uh, what you know or or whatever you know it has you know things that have to do with your scheduling for your children or maybe your children maybe something that's uh, concerning you about your child or um you know they they said this to me or they did that to me and that is actually all you're thinking about while you're praying that in and of itself is an indication that we've we need to refocus uh because our prayers should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's our private conversation with our creator. That prayer itself is my ultimate purpose. So if I'm using that prayer to think about other things, then it's an indication that those other things have become more of my uh, purpose or of my focus. And I need to reorient Uh, Once we reorient, and why am I talking about this? Because once, besides the fact that this is reorientation towards our ultimate purpose, but something else happens once I reorient. And that is that once I reorient, my, my worldly affairs actually start to fall into place. And there's a hadith which really just explains this so beautifully where the prophet sallallahu alaihi says that the one who makes the hereafter his primary concern then allah joins his affairs so there are a number of consequences to making the hereafter your primary concern one of them is that allah first puts contentment in your heart and then allah joins your affairs Now, what does it mean, جَمَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ أَمْرًا أو كَمَا قَالَ is It means that that you know how you feel sometimes, like you you have so many different roles and you're like juggling so many different things, but all the balls keep falling, right? It's like you, you're trying to take care of something in, in one respect and then something else is breaking in another um, and it, you just feel scattered. The, this is the opposite of that. When we have the correct focus and that focus is Allah, that focus is the hereafter, we are clear about why we're doing what we're doing. We're clear about why we're doing this whole Uh, motherhood thing we're clear about why we're doing this whole wifehood thing and and fatherhood and husbandhood and 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 you know lawyerhood and doctors you know doctorhood all of these things that we're doing we become very clear why we're doing it that's focus that's proper focus then what happens as a result is those matters themselves the motherhood the wifehood the fatherhood, the husbandhood, the career, the school, all of those things, our relationships, they actually start to become rectified. They start to fall into place. The things that were once scattered get become joined. Um, and 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 then uh, the hadith goes on to talk about the other perspective and inshallah i'm going to take a short break now and when we return i will talk about the other perspective uh, the opposite of having the correct focus <laughs> difference between different uh, having different types of focus. The first type of focus is the one who is focused on the day of judgment, who is focused on the hereafter, who is focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that that is the main concern and everything else then falls into place and contentment is put in the heart. On the other hand, the hadith goes on to say that the one who makes this life his primary concern, then poverty is put between his eyes. And this is such an interesting st- statement because you think about a person who has poverty between uh, his or her eyes. What happens when you have something between your eyes? It's, it's something that you can't escape uh, looking at and seeing all the time because it's right there. Um, it's, it's, um, it gives you the indication of, of someone who always feels poor. No matter what they have, if poverty is between the eyes, you know that you always see it and you always feel it you feel poor no matter what you have this is a, a, a lack of of contentment because you've made this life your primary concern you don't feel that contentment you're always wanting more and this is something we see and in you know in a in a highly consumerist society that um that's actually what what you know that's what that's what people feed off of that's what you know, that's the whole concept of, of what they're trying to market is, you know, that you don't have enough. You need more. You're not supposed to be satisfied because if you were satisfied with the way you looked, you wouldn't buy as much makeup. Um, if you were satisfied with your car, you wouldn't need to go and trade it in for a newer model. Uh, it's this constant lack of satisfaction. The more you run after dunya, the more dunya runs away from you, however. And that's what we find in the in the second part where the hadith says that poverty is put between the eyes and your your affairs become scattered this feeling that we spoke about of not really being able to take care of everything you need to do you're you know um there's just so much going on and you have so many different responsibilities and you feel torn in a million directions and you're just everything kind of falling apart it 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 is actually not because you're not efficient enough. Um, it's because you have the wrong focus, usually. Uh, that if you make your focus Allah, if you make your focus, why am I really doing all this? And you, and you make time to go back to that uh, and really give it its due, you know, or give it some, some of your attention, uh, then you'll find that your other matters will also be taken care of. And, uh, you know, that 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 feeling of being scattered will no longer be. Uh, And so practically, what does this mean? It means that, yes, you know, even though you have younger children, it's so, so important that you find time, whether it's by asking for some help uh, in child care from your spouse or from a friend, or while they're sleeping, that you use time, that you make time in order to be alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just you and allah and in this time you 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 know you use this time to reflect you use this time to make dua you use this time to read the quran and reflect on its meaning you read, you use this time for istighfar you use this time to talk to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to build your relationship with him and to refocus it is so essential to refocus because we're all walking in the middle of like you know a forest And we have a compass and suppose we check our compass and it tells us, you know, which direction is north and we start walking in that direction. But for hours, we don't check our compass again. What ends up happening is we might get off course. That rechecking of the compass is that refocusing of the heart and we have to consistently be doing it or we will get off track if we're not coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and refocusing and having that time alone with Him, it's so easy to get lost in all of our roles. It's so easy to get lost in all of the things that we, that we need to do, in all of our responsibilities. There's a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the five daily prayers spread out throughout the day. There's a reason He made five and not just one or two and there's a reason they're not all in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening but they're spread throughout our day each time there's a prayer allah is forcing us to 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 pull away from whatever things of the dunya we are engrossed in even if it's parenting even if it's something noble but it's still the means and not the end and and so he he is he has forcing us to to detach from those things to pull away from those things and reorient the heart and refocus uh and 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 check the compass this is how we end up staying on course without that time uh, to, to, to you know to to have alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connecting to Allah daily it must be daily without that time we get lost we'll get lost in it and getting lost actually not only does it hurt you but it hurts your family as well it'll hurt your affairs themselves that your affairs become broken your affairs become scattered it's not that we we run after dunya and engross ourselves in dunya and that means we'll be successful in dunya that's actually not how the formula works it's in fact the opposite that when you engross yourself and you and you get lost in dunya you just drown uh, it, it doesn't actually make you more successful when you run after dunya, dunya runs away from you. It's when you stop and you turn your back and you face the correct direction, which is Allah. And, and in that way, while you're facing your heart towards the correct uh, end, and then you're involving your hands in dunya that you're actually able to be successful, and you're even in dunya, and you're actually able to be effective even in dunya. Your dunya will come to you once you fa- f- face Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and that's what the Hadith continues to say. That the one, you know, the Hadith explains this these two types of focuses, and in the focus of the hereafter, um, one of the things the Hadith also says is that the dunya will come to you even if it hates to do so that the dunya becomes you know enslaved to us instead of the other way around if we enslave ourselves to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then the dunya enslaves itself to us but if we enslave ourselves to the dunya then we've just enslaved ourselves and we've and we've become captives and we end up drowning and so, so it, in in answering the question of how do we how do we do it uh, the answer is we have to focus the heart on the on the, on the, why are we doing it and we have to make time to build that ultimate purpose and to take us to where we ultimately want to be and that's with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why we were put here that's why we were made is to worship him and if we're losing sight of that then we won't be successful making time you have to get time get you know get help uh, get childcare do it while they're sleeping, whatever it is you need to do. But even if it's just a small amount of time every day, it will do wonders. Uh, and of course, of course, and this is a given that your your five daily prayers must be, um, there's no reason whatsoever, uh, unless we are incapacitated in you know, some degree or another, but there's no soccer practice or you know, rehearsal that should Ever make us delay our prayers, and if they are, then it definitely means we need to refocus. So that's really how we're going to be able to be successful, inshallah, in all of our roles. Another question uh, someone asked is, how do we raise our children, uh, in, you know, to be? Uh, how do we teach them uh, this you know, spirituality and the, and 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 how to be close to Allah subhanahu wa taala? Uh, I think that. One really important lesson we have to teach our children from the time they're very young is about the love of Allah. We unfortunately spend so much time teaching our children about the punishment of Allah, about hellfire, about all the things that are haram. It's like, it's like almost like we're using Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to control our children and that is totally totally wrong because what you're doing is you're pushing your children away i mean if if your children are constantly hearing about this god that is just ready to you know just ready to worship to 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 punish them for anything or for everything because all they hear is haram 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 it's not really very conducive to having a strong relationship with that creator or with that god and and some of these children just grow up and rebel because it's it's kind of like they've been taught about god as if as if god is the police you know and and the um, or or like a big you know bully a'ud lad just waiting to punish you because all these things are haram and you know you can't do any anything fun is haram and and if you do it you're going to go to hell and this is just subhanallah not how the prophets peace be upon them taught islam We know from the 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 hadith where where Aisha explains that if the first things that were revealed were do not drink alcohol or do not commit fornication uh, or illegal sexual intercourse, then everyone would have said, "We will never give up these things. We will never give up alcohol. We will never give up illegal sexual intercourse." If that was the first thing that was revealed, but it wasn't. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows our nature. And you'll see when you study the seerah and you study the the revelation that the first thing that was revealed was about the Day of Judgment, about Tawheed, about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was building the connection internally to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before it spoke about haram and halal. Before you know, alcohol was abolished many years later. Before these things were were, were taken away, and you know the 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 um, commandment uh, of of the hijab and the com- all these other commandments, they came after the heart was already connected to Allah subhanahu wa taala and to Tawhid and to the day of judgment. This is how we have to raise our children we need to teach them yes accountability but we really need to emphasize the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that they actually want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they actually want to worship him and it isn't just because they they're trying to avoid um you know burning in hell uh, because what one of the problems too is you, you know sometimes when you you know again you put all of this negative Uh, pressure and and then a lot of kids just they get into a phase where they just want to rebel i'm I'm sick of all these rules you know Uh, we need to engender inside of the child a love for allah so that they want to worship him and you know one example you can think of is just you know teaching them allah is the one who made everything teaching them allah is the one who gives you everything you have teach them about jannah From the time they're very young, build the concept of Jannah in their mind. Let them know that all the Disneylands and all the Disney Worlds and the Chuck E. Cheese's and all those things are nothing compared to Jannah. You know, they've seen these things, they've seen amusement parks, they've seen fun places to go. You can, so they have something, you know, to latch on to, and you can use that to to teach them that there's something better than all that. You know, um one time my kids were having a conversation about, <laughs> about jannah and they were saying um one of them was we were like, yeah, in jannah we can have we, oh yeah, no. In Jenna, we don't have to eat. You know, they hate eating, so we don't have to eat anything. And the other one's like, except candy and cake and cookie. You know, it's just it's this that's that's the kid Jenna at that level, right? But at least you know it's this concept of of this amazing place, right, where you can have whatever you want in whatever form that happens to be at your particular age. But that's important that kids are you know everything they want that they can't have. They they realize well in Jenna, you know. One day my my son was like, he wants to become a baby again, (laughs) so it's not really possible. So you know maybe in Jannah you can do that. You know, so it's like okay. So then he's like, okay, so can can we go get dressed and go to Jannah now? (laughs) It's like it's this you know it's this place that they want to go, and Inshallah that that's something that can can grow in the child. that attachment—that uh, there's something better than this life—it's so important. It's one of—it's one of those things. One of the first things that we're taught. Uh, one of the first revelations. You know, when we look at how the revelation came, it's this—this—this this, this strong attachment uh, that there's a better life uh, than this life. We look at what duha, wa ida ma wa wa wala you know, that that telling the Prophet ﷺ from the very beginning, one of the fr- early, early re- revelations, that the next life is better than this life. This was something that was very much emphasized. We have to teach our children in this way, to love the next life more than this life, to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anything else, and not this this just this fear, you know, this, these fear tactics. And ultimately, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's so that we can control our children. We want to them to do what we say. So we say Allah's going to get you if you don't, you know, um, or you're going to go to hell or, or it's haram. And, and, and that isn't the way we teach them to really, really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. InshaAllah, we'll take another short break now. And when we return, we'll be taking more questions uh, from the chat box.
1: Uh,
0: so, we, we have a, a, a number of, of great questions um, asking, you know, about how do you teach your children about haram and harad without upsetting them. Uh, and, and again, I think um, it, it, the key here is not really introducing so much I mean when a child is three and four and five uh, you know that that that's the time when you really need to be teaching them about Allah that Allah is the one who made them Allah is the one who made everything you know the other day we had an earthquake and and you know the earth um, it actually the earthquake actually woke, woke us up or woke me up from sleep and uh, my son was was next to me and he he's five and he um, he got up and he's like he had never felt an earthquake before, um, but he said, um, I know what that was. That was an earthquake. Allah did that. And then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> so it's like he, he had to just let me know what happened. <laughs> but it's 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 letting them know, you know, letting them, making them realize that Allah is the one who does everything. You know, building the concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the creator of, the one who's in charge of everything the one who gives them everything every time they have something they like connect it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you if you tell your children um you know you suppose they have a, a a grand a grandparent who lives in another country and they never see this grandparent but every single day the grandparent sends a gift and you open up the gift every day and you give it to your child and you say this is from your grandmother, and the next day, this is from your grandmother, and the next day, this is from your grandmother. What's going to happen? Even if that child never saw that grandmother, he he's going to love that grandmother a lot, uh, because it's like there's this connection to these gifts that you have uh, to this to this you know person that you don't see. And in the case of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, all of the all of the gifts that we have are from Him. Making the child realize that before you need to tell them about haram and halal, Yes, you teach them about. What they should do and what they shouldn't do, but the you know this emphasis on haram, haram, haram um, is is it oftentimes just backfires. Uh, you instead you you gradually you know you teach them uh, age appropriate you know things, but the key you know the foundation is in the in the connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, the love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and when that love is in place and strong it will necessitate fear because any anytime you love someone, uh, you do not want to displease them. Anytime you love someone, you are terrified, in fact, of displeasing them. So it's a natural consequence of love. Fear is a natural consequence of love. Uh, when you really love someone, you do not want to let them down. You do not want to displease them and you do not want to be separated from them. If you know that I, if I, if I love someone and I know that doing this action is going to make me uh, never see that person uh, again or or be disconnected from that person, I'm going to be very afraid of doing that action. And if we know that something we're doing uh, that's displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could potentially m- make it so that I don't even see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment and I, I have no connection, He doesn't want to speak to me, uh, that should really scare a person who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the greatest fear, in fact, is that, is that disconnect, that barrier between a person and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so someone says, um, my six-year-old doesn't listen to me. I have to tell the same thing repeatedly to make him to listen. I'm tired of doing this. I'm trying everything and I feel so helpless at times. Finally, when I raise my voice on him, then he stops. Um, I don't want to be loud, and I don't like it. I feel your pain. <laughs> um, this this thing of repeating, I, I hate to do that too. And what what I found is that when the child realizes that you're going to repeat, then they realize they they know that they have another ten times before they have to listen. <laughs> so I think actually the key is to not repeat. Is that you say it once and you expect the result, and if the result is not um, so there's, there's different ways of doing it, but you say it once. And if it's not, you know, heated or, or if, if there's no result, then there's a, there's a particular, maybe consequence, okay, you know, you, this wasn't done. So this, this, or that, um, you know, maybe some, some privilege will be taken what depending on the situation, but it's actually really important that you don't keep repeating. Um, uh, the child becomes used to that and, so it means oh i don't I can totally tune out my my mother or my father for the first nine times because I know she's going to repeat it ten times um, and and it's only when she starts to yell that I really have to listen. Uh, so the key is don't yell and don't repeat. Just say it once and then they'll learn that when you don't listen the first time without yelling that there are consequences. Secondly is is um, positive reinforcement that you you give rewards for listening the first time. You give them, um, you know, the, de- depending on their age, you know, certain rewards, stickers. Six, a six-year-old still appreciates stickers a lot. You, you'll you be surprised how much they appreciate stickers. Uh, so getting stickers, for example, uh, and and just saying, okay, I'm going to give you a sticker every time you listen the first time I say something. And you'll be, again, surprised how they'll do it. Uh, it, it, is, it is sometimes we just, we tolerate things by just repeating it again and again and that what what we're teaching the child is that it's okay that you didn't listen the first seven times because i'm just going to keep saying it um so i think that um that's one way that that works well uh in terms okay so someone else Yeah. This is another key that, that's, that, that's really important that someone mentions. This idea of when do we start to really teach our children about Allah and when do we start to, you know, so sometimes what happens is there might be a child who never went to the masjid, was never exposed really to Islam. Maybe it was just culture. And then they get in, the parents start to freak out a little bit once they get to be, um, you know, in their teenage years. And now they're like kind of, forcing them to go to the masjid and now you need to get involved because we don't want you to, you know, um, get involved with the wrong, wrong crowd now. And at that point, the kid rebels. Um, or maybe there was no, you know, again, there was no uh, teaching about Islam or, or it was just, again, culture. And then you get to a point and maybe they, the parents want to impose hijab at a certain point. And I think that, that that's what, you know, it, because it was not from the time they were young, uh, that the child is much more likely to rebel. Uh, that now you're like forcing me to do this thing that I wasn't exposed to before. I wasn't ever used to going to the masjid and now you're forcing me to go to the masjid. It's just really boring or whatever that, you know, the feeling is. But it's important that you connect your child to the masjid from when they're young. It's important that you connect your child to Quran from when they're young. It's important that you you make them know who Allah this conversation about Allah subhanahu should be just a regular conversation that you have in the car that you you have you know when you're going to sleep it's just he, it is a part of the, of their of their life um, from when they're young when they get older it's not going to be like surprise now you're supposed to be practicing or surprise now you have to go to the masjid or you have to dress a certain way and act a certain way because now we're going to you know be embarrassed if you don't or or, or we're worried about something happening to you it needs to be again something ingrained from when when they're very young uh, this is something we you know subhanallah we learn the the story of of the mother of Maryam uh, and she when she was pregnant, I mean, look at how early she's starting in, in this process. When she's pregnant, even before the baby's born, she makes a vow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that she will, you know, this child will be for his sake. And, um, you know, she expected she was going to have a boy and ended up being a girl. But, you know, the story here is that look at how early she's planning uh, for this child. That, you know, even before the child is born, we need to really, you know, we need to start it early and... um and 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 try to to instill this love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His Messenger from from early on. Someone says, "What is the best way to punish a child without raising your voice or physically harming him in the least?" One of the ways, uh, you know, there's different. Again, you know, psychology has di- there's different uh, theories and there's different ways to motivate a person uh, there's, you know, there's the concept of punishment and there's a concept of, so there's this positive reinforcement, there's negative reinforcement, but you, you can find that, you know, when you go to your child and there's like, basically, you know, there's two ways you can go about something, right? You want them to do something. You want them to put on their pajamas. Okay. And they're taking forever. So maybe you say, you can do it in one of two ways. You could say, if you don't put on your pajamas, um, then you will such, you know, X, Y, and Z will happen. Okay, some some consequence. Or if you put on your pajamas in, you know, this, this amount of time, you will have this reward. So you see how there's two ways to do it. And, it, it, you know, sometimes it really, it, you'll even find that even the, the reward uh, can be even more effective. And I think that that's the better way to go. Uh, you can say, that you can give them again incentives and another thing that 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 um that I found works very well with children is giving them a time limit um you know sometimes like counting is really works very well uh, a lot of times this is like it's this idea it's like oh I'll do it later but it's like no I need you to put on your shoes in you know six seconds and then you start, you start counting. So then they start getting up and doing it. Um, But, you know, sometimes if you just say it, they're waiting for you to say it another 10 times before they start moving. And, you know, you have to maybe raise your voice, but you just say it calmly. You say it once and you start to count. And then you can even say that if you do, you know, if you do put on your pajamas or you do do this thing or whatever it is you want them to do um, and or something that you don't want them to do uh, you can say if you if you don't do this you know if you don't whine if you're if you're well behaved then uh, you're going to get this reward afterwards and use rewards rewards are very very motivating uh, for children they're very motivating for adults as well Um, what is it that makes us get up early in the morning and go to work and work, you know, eight hours a day, come back, do the same thing again the next day, every day of the year, you know, potentially um, with some, you know, some vacation time, of course, it's a reward called money, right? We do it because we're, we are getting some rewards. So rewards are, are definitely uh, motivating uh, for, for human beings. So, so doing that is, 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 is a good way to, to change behavior, uh, negative behavior, as well as enforcing uh, and encouraging positive behavior. Someone also asked, I think, a very important question as, from the perspective of a child. And uh, this person said that they're having, tr- you know, they want to get married and to preserve their chastity, but their parents say that they know better for them, and um, that that they are not able to get married because their parents want to find them someone from back home, um, someone who doesn't, they don't even speak the same language as this person. And this is a this is a common problem and a serious uh, you know problem that that we have unfortunately with the uh you know the difference in the you know, second generation uh children you'll find that um you know there's only so much you can do uh in these situations is sometimes you cannot convince your parents uh, to see things from from your perspective but i would say this in terms of um, one thing that you do have in your hands and, and that you can do is the advice of the Prophet Wasallam, who said that if you can get married, uh, then do get married. But if you're not able to get married, then he recommended fasting. So it's it's the advice of the Prophet and uh, for a reason, that this is what will help you to preserve your chastity if you're not able to get married, is you should fast. Another really important and unfortunately neglected um, advice it's its actually not just an advice it's a commandment from God himself and that's lowering the gaze uh, we unfortunately expose ourselves expose our eyes and expose our ears to things which are haram things which in, not only are they haram and they put black spots on our hearts but they also ignite passion inside of the person and, and ignite those those um, emotions and, and, and that desire inside of the person and as and then there's no outlet, um, and that's extremely you know there's a reason why Allah is saying to lower the gaze. Uh, it is a protection for for you. It's a protection for your for your for your heart. It's also a protection for your chastity. So keeping that in mind of lowering the gaze, not to look at the things which are haram, which are naturally going to ignite that desire, and then there isn't an outlet. So it creates obviously a a, a serious problem. Um, and the second I- advice is that to fast that the Prophet sallallahu gave us uh, that this is this is the way to 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 you know if you are not able to get married to to help with that um, you know c- controlling the or or cooling that that desire and and being able to to refocus you know the thing is about fasting as we know now um, in Ramadan is it it makes you so that uh, you are more able to focus on the spiritual realm because the physical realm is sort of cut off you're not eating you're not drinking there's no intimacy even with a spouse during the day so it's just you know you're you're able to now because you don't have those other focuses those other distractions you're able to focus on your 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 internal self right your your relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that's one of the best ways to to deal with the that situation of not being able to get married, uh, you know, as quickly as you would want. Also, continue to make du'a. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one who can make a way out of any situation for you. If you fear Allah, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "May yajallahu Whoever fears Allah, He will always make a way out for him, and provide him from places he never imagined if you really make Allah your focus you follow the advice of the Prophet ﷺ in lowering your gaze and in fasting and and fear Allah you know fear Allah in your chastity fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and keep making dua to him he will make a way out for you he will he will make a way out of this this seemingly uh, impossible situation and he will provide for you from places that you never imagined. So you might think that, you know, you don't know where this spouse will come from. Your parents want one thing, you want something else. Allah can provide you from a place you never imagined and both you and your parents could could be happy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do all of that. Just seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, and fear him in, in how you behave and how you how you act and in what you're looking at. Um, and inshallah, continue with fasting and that will, uh, that will help you inshallah and strengthen you. Um, someone says, uh, speaks about fasting. Um, it, it, it's, it's difficult, especially when you're around people who are not, or who don't understand. Um, definitely, um, your company is very important. Uh, we, we know that, um, we know that, uh, you know, Good company is, is uh, something that, that strengthens your heart and bad company is, is like a poison for the heart. So it is important that you're, if you can, it, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable, but as much as you can to, to be around the company that is supportive and, and does remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone asks, how can a child forgive his parent who has wronged his brothers verbally and emotionally, abandoning them, even though the parent is partially active in his brother's life? There is still that anger, um, you know. When when people harm us, or people wrong us, or people wrong those around us, I think that the easiest way to forgive is one uh, is just to realize uh, that that person, um, you know, is is flawed and is weak. And as human beings, we all have flaws and weaknesses. and Kind of the more that you can empathize in the sense of not to justify what happened, but to but to sort of you know make du'a for the person you know that Allah subhanahu wa taala strengthen them and against their own self you know if you see somebody and they're behaving in a way that's just really horrible, uh, we should actually feel sorry for that person because they have been. you know, enslaved by their by their nefs or by shaitan, you know, like, how would you feel if you saw a person who was in chains, um, and who was not only in chains, but was behind bars, you know, you look at that person, and you just you would feel sorry for them, because they're, they're so trapped, and they're so enslaved. And there's, you know, you're seeing somebody who's who's in a prison, and that's really how we should see uh, those 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 people who are behaving in that way. Um, again, it does, it's it's not to justify, but it's to it's to have some sort of mercy in the sense that they are actually harming their own self um, first and foremost. When you when you're harming another person, you're actually harming yourself most. And that person is really the one who's who's mistreating another person is 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 not only enslaved um, but is also harming themselves so i would say you know you make dua for that person and you you feel a sense of mercy towards them that they are only harming them you know they're harming their own self first and foremost and they're they're imprisoned they're imprisoned by something that doesn't want good for it you know for them that shaitan does not want good for them and their nafs does not want good for them though they're enslaved to those things and um we w- the other aspect is is looking at our, internally at our own selves and and how much we ourselves are also flawed and how much we ourselves also wrong others and how much we ourselves also uh dis, dis disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sin against Allah when we humble ourselves in that way and see ourselves and how desperate we are for the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa taala, it becomes a lot easier to forgive others. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to 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 reward and and help all the parents out there and to rectify their affairs and 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 for the children um, as well and to and and all those people who are struggling with their with their families that Allah subhanahu wa taala rectify their affairs and give them patience. واستغفر الله لي إن إنه غفور رحيم سبحانك الله وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. <تصفيق>